Hello and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And again, welcome back to Horror Month, where I'm trying to crank out as many horror movies as possible, some of them obscure, some of them mainstream. Today's will be a little more obscure. Uh, the movie I am talking about is a 1988 classic, I put that in uh, finger quotes, classic called Demon Warp, which is one of those movies I had never heard of until about a month ago, Where my, uh, at which point my co-host, who's about to join me, recommended it to me and he, and he said uh you know there's a movie you really have to talk about one day this demon warp it's a freaking crazy ass movie so i'm like all right let's get you on so anyway we have a lot to talk about today but my host is kind of a special one today because a lot of time i kind of just bring up amateur movie fans people that kind of just know movies that they've loved over the years or they saw once on cable and they want to talk about it this guy has actually written a book and I'm very excited about this because his book is called Bonkers Ass Cinema. And if you know anything about me, you will know I love movies that would be considered bonkers ass cinema. So I am dying to get, finally get him on the show and talk to him. So let's bring him right on board. Welcome to Staff Picks for the first time, Matt Rotman. Hey, happy to be here. <laughs> so, okay, before we get too far, I have to say for my listeners... I have a lot of people who recommend guests to me and hosts, and one of my friends named Josh said, hey, Mario, if you ever do a horror movie, uh, horror month again, get this guy Matt Rotman on the show. You guys would be hilarious together. So apparently your reputation precedes you. Yeah, hey, well, I'm a hilarious guy. What can you say? Uh, yeah, so go ahead. Tell us a little about yourself, who you are, and how you are world known now for writing this book, Bonkers Ass Cinema. Sure, no. And like I said, I appreciate you having me on. It really is an honor. This is my second podcast I've ever done. But uh, um, it is probably best to get a lot of this out of the way first, my background, um, how I approach film, kind of what my book is, because uh, that will give you the context needed for Demon Warp. <laughs> um, otherwise, without that context, and we sit here and talk about how great of a movie it is and people are going to be sending us bombs and dead birds in the mail. <laughs> they, they're going to, they're going to need this background. Like, uh, so, um, my, my basic background is like the last 10 years ish. I've kind of made the rounds as a, like semi professional comedy writer. I was a staff writer for national lampoon when they were doing their online edition, um, what, like six or seven years ago at this point. And, you know, kind of been published at, every comedy publication you can think of outside McSweeney's they can go fuck themselves <laughs> but uh um but like towards like 2016 I kind of made you know we we all remember that great year <laughs> whether you're into politics or not and a lot of the stuff I was doing was like a lot of political humor and I kind of got burnt out on it like and I felt like a lot of political humor was getting like very um, I don't know, very hacky and just very predictable, and it just didn't interest me anymore. And so I kind of turned to like my second love, which is film. And so I created my own um, blog, Bonkers Ass Cinema. I think this was in 
2018 when that happened, but I was writing about film a little bit before that. Um, but, um, and so my blog focuses on like genre cinema, exploitation cinema, horror cinema. And like, I typically like will, uh, kind of fixate on more of the deeper cuts um, because, you know, they're like 10,000 or maybe 100,000 other genre film blogs out there. So you you always have to differentiate yourself. Um, it, the site kind of took off uh, my Twitter account. And, uh, I worked out a book deal uh, right before COVID. And so I got stuck during COVID um, basically writing Bonkers Ass Cinema, the book. If you go to my site or my blog you can you basically it's the same type of film same type of humor like same type of insight but i needed like a guiding force or a guiding ethos to tie everything together so i broke everything into nine genres uh that i wanted to focus on to to keep me focused uh so like i just focus on like very generic genres like uh like aliens uh black exploitation sexploitation slashers monsters hey even have a Bigfoot chapter in there, which is where Demon Warp comes from. Yeah, let me let me delve into that for a second, because I can guarantee almost none of my listeners have seen this movie. So, what genre? You you already already said Bigfoot genre, but I don't believe that's true. What genre would you really put Demon Warp under if you had to explain this movie to someone in like two sentences? Oh well, maybe a couple more than two sentences. I consider demon warp not a movie per se but more of a healthcare issue <laughs> so like if you accidentally ingest heroin benzos and alcohol all at the same time demon warp is what you watch while you're waiting for the narcan to kick in <laughs> like it it functions like on that it vibes at that same frequency as like the bare minimum heart rate needed to sustain human life it's <laughs> It's a, it's perfect, but like, I would say it is a Bigfoot film, but like, I say that in the way, couching it in the same manner you just did, but only in the fact that after doing an entire chapter on Bigfoot, like, no filmmaker, for whatever reason, I haven't figured it out yet, can just make a straight A to B regular Bigfoot movie. It's like, you're going to give like, this movie like Emmett Alston like the director of New Year's Evil like which is a hilariously little bonkers slasher film have you seen that by the way I don't know that one no hey I'll, I'll bring it up later we can talk about it. it's uh, it, it's a good one but uh like just some just a normal little like journeyman director probably who has no ambitions on, on the weird or abstract at all throw him into like a script and production that he you know, had nothing to do with. And, like, even he just, like, gives us the most bonkers Bigfoot movie you've ever seen. Like, no one can just make a regular one. I don't know what... I probably watched 30 Bigfoot movies for the book. None of them are normal. Okay, I, I don't want to get too far into the plot of this movie just because we have to dumb it down a little for my listeners. And, again, this is not I'm, not... I'm not insulting my listeners. I'm not saying you guys are dumb. I'm just saying... This is a fucking crazy movie. There's no way we can start being vague about it. We're going to have to talk about it. So, <laughs> okay, let me let me summarize this a little bit for people. So Matt writes a book called Bonkers Ass Cinema, which is about the craziest movies of all time. And again, I like crazy movies. I'm a mystery science theater fan, a Riff Tracks guy. 
most of the movies in your book, I don't know. They're too crazy even for me. They're too weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, okay, so two, yeah, sorry. Hey, got distracted. Hey, Demon Warp does that to me. Just, <laughs> But like I was saying, there is an ethos that guides the book. And I write about it in which this it'll bring it all back home to why we're talking about this movie. Is that like, and I write about it in the introduction of my book. Like, there are two types of people in this world, and two types only: the the people who laugh at Plan Nine from Outer Space, and like the weird hermit uncles who genuinely like it. <laughs> and my book is a manifesto for those weird crazed uncles. <laughs> you know, I've read your book. Manifesto is a fantastic term for it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm. Yep, I'm going to have my own cult just like the space aliens from this movie. <laughs> no, no, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Yeah, again, Matt wrote this book about the craziest, weirdest movies of all time. He was recommended to me as a guest for Staff Picks. So I asked him, hey, what movie, if you could pick any horror movie that you think more people should know about, which one would you like to do from your book? And he's like, he didn't even hesitate. Demon Warp. I'm like, uh, why don't you think about it for a while? Come up with a list. He's like, no, Demon Warp, Demon Warp. We have to talk about Demon Warp. So, again, that's the level of uh, prestige this movie has. I think by your standards, this is the most bonkers horror movie in your book, correct? It, it's certainly one of them. And I got to say, I have a full-size Demon Warp poster. <laughs> like oh, wow. it, it's a movie that like I do hold dear to my heart and I, that I cherish. So there's no ironic love here. People consider me because of the book and because of the blog, people consider me like a bad movie guy. And I always kind of take a little bit of offense to that just because like I, I love all film. Like I'm a, I'm a programmer here in San Diego for film geek, San Diego. Like we program every type of film you can ever imagine. But obviously, I always gravitate towards um, horror genre exploitation. I mean, it's just one. It's just way more interesting to write about. But uh, um, but like that's also in the mode of traditional criticism, like like the most denigrated form of cinema there is. And so a lot of like what I wanted to capture in the book and on the blog, and when I talk about films like Demon Warp or other films of its like ilk. Um, it's kind of like to give uh, films like this a new life because if you do like generation after generation of film criticism of just pounding films like this into the ground, uh, they have a way of disappearing. Mm -hmm. And um, like if, if someone tells you something's bad, obviously you're not going to seek it out. But then after a certain while saying something's bad, something's bad, people stop talking about it. And then if people stop talking about it, obviously people aren't going to watch it either. And so it's kind of a life mission of mine to just – raise awareness to films like this and um i like i don't do ironic viewing um that's just not one of the things that interests me um or the ethos that guides like my book or just my blog or my opinions in general and i would argue which we are going to argue about <laughs> why demon warp is actually a good movie <laughs> <laughs> oh you stole my question because that was the first thing i was going to ask what I do on Staff Picks is I recommend movies that need more love, that I think should be getting more respect in the world. I have a hard time saying this movie should earn more respect, but at the same time, I really think people should know about it. So, like, is this a good movie? I think you kind of already answered that question a little bit. Is this one you recommend to people that they should know? 
It is. And I'll say I'll probably see this movie 11 or 12 times, and I would say nine of those is just me forcing it on unsuspecting victims. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, we're going to delve into this a little more hey, just because we'll I want to it. Hey, we should probably tell them what the hell the movie is. That way we can. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm not sure I can t- explain what this movie is because, okay, at the start of this podcast, I was going to come on and I always have a typical greeting like, oh, welcome to Staffix, blah, blah, blah. Here's my guest. Here's why you should respect my guest. But for Demon Warp, I re- literally have in my notes here. This is the first sentence I wanted to start this episode with. Matt, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> In my notes, I wrote like a like a like a trailer uh, interlude, to like just to give you an idea, which is like a group of horny young people venture into the woods for hijinks and a little sexy time. However, after taking refuge in Tommy Jarvis's cabin and against all odds, must survive a night against a vicious killer. We're of course talking about the film Demon Warp. thank you for explaining the first eight minutes of the movie and that's about it (laughs) hey no no hey the the entire plot of the movie is just george kennedy just being a real piece of shit (laughs) okay again my listeners they're all newbies i I, we have to hold their hands to walk them through this plot because again i have seen a lot of movies that's what i do i literally hold host a podcast on obscure movies I'd never heard of Demon Warp until you brought it up. <laughs> I had to search for it, and I will tell people it's on YouTube. You can watch it for YouTube. The quality's not great, but it's all there. But again, okay, we will. I will summarize this movie the best that I can. I don't want to hit with the spoilers right away. It's about people in the woods being attacked by Bigfoot, and then about halfway through the movie, the, the producers run out of money apparently, and they decide it's now a different movie, and now it's about zombies. And then at a certain point, they're like, no, it's not about that. We're Now it's a movie about aliens. <laughs> and it's, it's all over the place. It makes no sense. Like, it's it's literally like they just changed the movie halfway through. Is that a fair way of describing it? It is. So, yeah, so let's start from the beginning. So, like, this I, – I, I personally don't know a lot because I don't think anyone really does at this point of, like, the, the production process of this movie – but we know, like, John Carl Buechler, the the famed uh, special effects artist, you know, from Troll and, you know, Cellar Dweller and things like that, um, who went on to, to do the, direct, I, this is why he didn't make this movie. He went on the direct Friday the 13th, uh, part seven, which is, hey, the worst one, if you ask me. Uh, hey, I think Manhattan is better than seven. But, but again, you know what? You know what? I agree with you. I fucking hate seven. Yeah, well, hey, seven probably could be better if it. Hey, they took out all the gore, so the fun thing that you're watching it for is gone. So you're just left with this, just I don't know, someone wanting to do Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not sure, but 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 so he originally came up with this, and I think wrote a script. Is my understanding, if if not a script, uh, a full treatment, and um, and he was set to direct, and Jack Palance was uh, set to star in it. Um, <laughs> Obviously, I think uh, John got pulled away because of Friday the 13th, and so Jack Palance bailed out. And so, hey, with that, so did the budget. And so um, what we're left with is I just probably like a hodgepodge of ideas left from the original idea that was supposed to be a much more ambitious film. Um, now, like, they, like, to their credit, they tried to see through to the best of their abilities but didn't. But I'll say this. If there's any plot to this movie, I would say 
Hey, so the movie begins, you open with like a Jesuit or a Mormon priest just blabbering, praying, talking to stuff as he's walking along, and then uh, he sees basically a UFO crash. So the opening scene starts from space with the, the thing heading down the craft. <laughs> and it's a complete ripoff, and I don't know what it's a ripoff of. It's either the thing or predator. I don't it's one of those. Probably the thing. Because Predator came out the same year, I think. I don't remember. Well, I did notice throughout the movie, there's little homages to other horror movies. So they clearly are trying to do homages. Yeah. There are. Yeah. Now, I don't, okay, I don't want to spoil this too much. That priest at the beginning of the movie, is that the same priest at the end of the movie? It is. I thought so. Okay. Okay. Hey, hey well, I'll say it is in the way that I think it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so let's, let's, before we get too far into the plot with the priest and stuff, we got to talk about this George Kennedy variable. Because this yes. is so, okay, this is, part of the movie. okay. So, I don't know if you guys know George Kennedy, very respected, famous actor from the 70s. Academy Award winner. Academy Award winner. Somehow, they talked him into this stinker of a movie. And it's hilarious, the story of how they got him. And I will leave it to Matt, because it's kind of the legend of Demon Warp. How did they get George Kennedy to star in this movie? Sure. I will say during this. Okay. Yeah. Esteemed, great uh, uh, actor, George Kennedy, one of my favorites of all time. Like, uh, but like during this period of his life, he was doing a lot of B movies and man, you got to have me back on for, to do the movie called uninvited. Have you heard of that? I've I've heard of it. I've never seen it. No. Hey, just a a cat monster on a boat where like a little monster comes out of a cat and eats people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's really good but like uh so he was doing a lot of this like i i would call it b movie fair even though i hate the term b movie but that's what he was doing in the 80s but so around the same time you know obviously this production reached out to him and he was like all right well if you give me fifteen thousand dollars and uh you let my daughter be in it then yes <laughs> so <laughs> that's how he's in it and man th- the first scene, like, so after we're, we're treated to this weird-ass scene with the the Mormon or the Jesuit priest, uh, like, we just cut straight to a cabin where George uh, Kennedy, not his daughter, but his daughter in the film, are sitting there just playing, I don't Trivial Pursuit or something. And, like, they just portray George Kennedy as the biggest piece of shit (laughs) on Earth. And it's so funny. Like, his button's missing. His socks, like, don't match. And he's, like, and, like, his daughter's just like, Dad, why are you such a piece of shit? I love you so much. Okay, I I have to contextualize this a little bit. This is what's hilarious about this movie. So, George Kennedy lobbies that his daughter has to be in the movie. You will only cast me if you get my daughter, too. Then in the movie... He literally has a daughter in the movie, but it's not played by his own daughter. Yes. Hey, yes. Hey, that, that's why this movie's brilliant. This movie, hey, it doesn't treat you like an idiot. That's the thing it would expect. You would expect something like that. And it's like, no, we're, we're going to give you the unexpected. This is demon warp. Okay. And, and just to clarify, there's no demons in this movie. There's no warping in this movie. There's no demons, no warping. And no demon warping. <laughs> no demon warping. <laughs> And as far as I know, there aren't any other alternate titles. It's just Demon Warp. You know what this movie should have been called is Bear Tits. That's what it should have been called. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. So, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, sure. okay. We'll walk through the movie. Okay, so, again, 
George Kennedy, they just got this guy to star in the movie. His deal was, give me $15,000. I only have to be there for three days, and you cast my daughter. They're like, sure. And they cast a bunch of other, you know, twenty late 20-year-olds playing teens. These are teens in a cabin. And we're going to go right into the movie here. And as I warned you, there's a lot of bare tits in this movie. Like, way more even than most movies by this, of this era. Yeah, because by 88, you were... Uh... You're kind of losing that fad a little bit. <laughs> the fad. It's what all the kids were into. Yeah. <laughs> the, kids, the kids were all in the boobs. Uh, hey, moon rings and boobs. I don't know if you lived during that time, but that's... <laughs> yeah, okay, here we go. So so the movie starts, like uh, Matt said, with the Jesuit priest walking in the Topanga Canyon out in Hollywood Hills. And he sees a UFO crashing. He's like, oh, what's that? He walks towards it. And then the credits start, and it's all demon warp. And I have to say, it feels very professional. This is actually a cool little opening. The credit and the music is pretty good. Yeah, they're stealing from good movies. <laughs> so demon warp. Okay, so we said we know a priest has been abducted or something by a UFO. Now we cut to this cabin, which is literally, like you said, the Jarvis cabin from Friday the 13th Part 4. Yep. Literally it. <laughs> and you won't recognize it. If you know you're Friday the 13th, you'll like, you'll know every inch of that cabin. Like, hey, I know that. That's that's where Jason crashes through and grabs a uh, little Corey Feldman. Yep. Hey, yeah, that's where he got bald. <laughs> okay. So, and then inside the cabin, it's like kind of a prologue to the movie. We see George Kennedy splayed out in his, I'm not going to call him a fat slob like you kind of implied, but he was, he's, <laughs> He was a larger gentleman dressed in ill-fitting clothes. Would that be a... Yeah, it's like, Dad, hey, why is your shirt on backwards and you're not wearing any pants? <laughs> is that how they were getting back at George Kennedy for lowballing them by making him a complete slob? <laughs> and I love, they ask him, like, the easiest question, like, in Trivial Pursuits, like, who was the wolf man? He's like, uh, uh. Lon Chaney Jr.? Good job, Dad. It was that struggle to get out Lon Chaney. That's how you know he's an Academy Award winner. Oh. He, I, I didn't see the acting at all. <laughs> it was seamless. <laughs> yes. I, he really was confused. Yeah, so anyway, Fats playing George Kennedy is in the cabin playing Trivial Pursuit with his daughter. And again, it's just this cabin in the middle of the woods. This is going to be the whole movie you know, up to a point. And as they're playing Trivial Pursuit, he hears a growl outside the cabin, right? Bigfoot, the Bigfoot, full costume and everything, just breaks down the door and just grabs his on-screen daughter and just carries her out. And that's how, like, we start the movie. Which, okay, so I'm going to be clear. This is a good thing to point out. Like, because when I was going through and watching, like, a bunch of Bigfoot movies, one after the other, like, old ones, exploitation ones, modern ones, um, like, the even stuff from, like, Sci-Fi Channel and stuff like that. But, like, there's, like, two major tenets in Bigfoot movies that, like, span most of them. And one of the tenets is they treat Bigfoot as a slasher killer, right? And so um, I don't know if you've seen Night of the Demon or Shriek of the Mutilated. So, like, that, but they treat him as a killer, and not only a killer, but a killer that can, like, utilize, like, tools like hammers and axes and <laughs> go about the business that way. The second thing is way more disturbing, and it's, like, and it pops up in almost all of them. I would say 80% of Bigfoot movies is Bigfoot stealing women, and it's usually for breeding purposes. So there is that disturbing thing <laughs> that always happens. 
So, which, this is the first scene that we see of Bigfoot, and this is Evan. She's like, all right, I see where this is going. You do not see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, okay, and this is important to put into context for people. Back in the 70s in particular, Bigfoot was this huge trope in horror movies and horror stuff. Again, I'm from Seattle. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I'm from Bigfoot country. And this was like the big grand era of everyone being terrified of Bigfoot. Now, flash forward about 10 years. This movie came out in 88, filmed probably in 86 or 87. People are still scared of Bigfoot. And like you said, they're still making Bigfoot abducting women movies. This is still a trope in 88. Yeah, for sure. It's still a trope now. Like, I watched one from, like, 2017. I watched one from 2021. And, it like, and it's, like, in my, my book, it's called Bigfoot's Bride. <laughs> and it's, uh, dude, honestly, one of my favorite movies from the last couple of years. But that, that disturbing trope is still there. It never went away. And I, Okay, and I should point out, I can point this out because I'm from Bigfoot country. I'm from the Northwest. There's never been any documented attack of Bigfoot being aggressive or killing or attacking anybody in real life. Not at all. <laughs> so this is just a movie thing where Bigfoot abducts women for breeding purposes. Yeah, that or he slashes and kills people. <laughs> yeah, and he will do both those things in this movie. <laughs> yes, and hey, with a variety of other activities as well. <laughs> okay, so we're still in the start of the movie. Bigfoot has crashed into this cabin, knocks George Kennedy aside, which does not look hard considering a small piece of wood falls on George Kennedy and renders him unconscious. <laughs> yeah, he's incapacitated. So. Yeah, so then Bigfoot drags out his daughter Julie. She gets abducted, and this is theoretically the plot of the movie george kennedy he wants revenge for bigfoot stealing his daughter yeah so there's two points of conflict really and they're both exactly the same basically so we set up with that and then very next scene we cut to our standard just group of young people drive into a cabin in the woods ready for a weekend of shenanigans and it turns out hey billy jacoby <laughs> the child actor from the 80s is uh uh, leading this group, and uh, they think they're, everyone in the group basically thinks they're in for a great weekend, but he hasn't told them that uh, they're going to his uncle's cabin, which it, this none of this has anything to do with George Kennedy. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said Billy Jacoby is leading them. Is he really leading them? Billy's he's the jokester. Wait, is Billy Jacoby the jokester? Okay, I have to, I have to paint a picture. This isn't for you, this is for my listeners. So there's five teens driving out to a sex party out in the woods in a cabin, theoretically. Like every other horror movie, they're going to be going to the same cabin we just saw broken into in the earlier scene. There's two couples, the hot guy and the hot girl. The two couples are kind of interchangeable. And then there's Billy Jacoby, who's the jokester. He's Tom in the he's middle. The, yeah, he's the jokester. Then the other guy, um, not the leader, but uh, you have the classic asshole guy too <laughs> yes okay we have jack the outdoorsman he's the leader and i don't even know why i'm bringing up these character names nobody's ever going to listen or remember these <laughs> jack the lead guy with his girlfriend carrie i love carrie carrie's gonna we're gonna see a lot of carrie throughout this movie and i have a fun story about her okay. later you're gonna see a lot of her <laughs> and then there's the other buddy fred who's the joker who's like the asshole and his girlfriend cindy and then in the middle we have tom and this is one of those this is one of those movie tropes where two hot couples are going off to bang in the woods, and for some reason the guy without the girlfriend is going to go hang out with them and just be the fifth wheel the whole time. Yeah, he's Ashley from uh, from is that his name Ashley from uh, uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Three? 
Uh, so. Oh, a Shelly. 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 Yes, he's the Shelly. And like you said, this is Billy Jacoby, a very famous child actor. In fact, he was a teen actor. Okay, let's see. He was in the Bad News Bears TV show back in the 70s. He's in a bunch of stuff in the early 80s. He's in Parker Lewis Can't Lose at one point in the early 90s. I know he was on Silver Spoons at one point, but he he's really the biggest name in the cast, other than, of course, George Kennedy. Yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah, you don't get movie movies funded by having Billy Jacoby in them. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but yeah, he is the Shelley character. Let's just say that. I think that'll simplify a lot of things for people. Yeah, and he's kind of funny. I really do enjoy Billy Jacoby in this. Yeah, he has a lot of, like, he brings so much charisma to this movie. So, and I'll talk about charisma later, because there's another character who pops up. So there's three people that ultimately show up in this movie. Anytime they're on screen, like, I think the movie's electric and really fun. And Billy Jacoby is one of them. There's one scene late in the movie where Billy Jacoby, for no reason at all, starts doing a Jack Nicholson impression. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so anyway, here's the five, five teens going out to the sex romp or whatever out in the cabin. And at one point, as they're driving to this cabin... One of the girls, uh, Carrie, says, hey, this is that part of the, the forest where those people were attacked. They were on vacation just like us. So they're aware that people are being attacked out here, yet they're still going to go. And they even they even mock it, right? They start saying, oh, yeah, the demon woods, the woods of hell. And they start mocking the reputation. That's my favorite part. It's the demon woods. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so they finally get to the cabin. And again, this is the cabin that was literally just broken into and a girl was abducted right at the start of the movie. We learned we're now a couple weeks in the future. They get to the cabin and one of the girls says, quotes Poltergeist, right? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes. Another movie homage where she says, we're here. <laughs> so clever. Okay. So let's talk about their entrance to the cabin. Cause this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Cause it's such an eighties scene. <laughs> yeah. Hey, which part? Like, well, I know Billy Jacoby, yeah, Billy Jacoby in particular, pulls out his tiny little boombox and starts bopping to the tunes as the girls. That's literally exactly what you picture an 80s horror movie would be like. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, like the leader of the group also just pulls out a gun, doesn't he? <laughs> just like everyone's just like, what? So because he's harboring a secret. Oh, yeah. OK. Like you said, there's two plots plot points of this movie and they are the exact same because george kennedy at the start his daughter was abducted by bigfoot and this kid jack who's theoretically out here with his girlfriend is not out here just to bang his girlfriend he's harboring a grudge and what is that grudge yeah the ulterior motive hey apparently bigfoot kidnapped his uncle (laughs) i think i believe is the plot line yes his uncle clem we will find out So this kid's uncle lived out here. He was abducted a while back or he went out looking in the woods for something. He didn't come back. So Jack, his nephew, has taken it upon himself to invite his four friends out here under a guise that it's a fun party. But no, it's actually a Bigfoot hunting mission. So, yeah, so you you do have the the big reveal where he tells everyone. And I got to say, they take it in stride. (laughs) Like, there's like, I feel like they're under the impression, like, yeah, I can kill some Bigfoots and uh, get laid and party at the same time. Yeah, well, that's one of my favorite things in this movie is the shifting motivations of characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, which there's a lot of shifting because the movie does move through phases. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the Bigfoot part of the movie, so stick with us here. So, okay, 
So they're in there setting up this house, which they go inside and there's literally like blood on the floor and there's glass <laughs> broken and things are pushed all over. And they're like, hey, something bad happened here. Eh, that, whatever. Let's just party. So they don't seem to care. Hey, party. And then, hey, then we go into what I mean, this is just standard 80s horror schlock. Uh, we just go we spend about the next 10, 15 minutes with them drinking, talking having sex <laughs> like, like i mean there's just something like i don't know i've never been in this situation and you haven't so maybe we can't judge but there must be some sort of like aphrodisiac effect like if you go to the woods with your boyfriend and he's like avenging his uncle you just want to like fuck him right away <laughs> how how dare you imply i've never been in the woods with my hot girlfriend just on a bang party weekend <laughs> How dare you? Hey, well, then you need to explain demon work to me. <laughs> okay. So anyway, the, they're out there doing their party stuff. And again, it's a horror movie. This is Friday the 13th Part 4. We know where it's going. They're in the Jarvis cabin, for God's sake. And this is, I think, that, that first day they arrive, they get their warning. This is where George Kennedy shows up to tell them they're all going to die. Yep. Yeah. So George Clooney, or George Clooney. Yeah, same, same guy. <laughs> George, George Kennedy like serves two purposes in this movie. Like he is like the source of conflict, but he's also like the classic harbinger of doom that you get like in every horror film or slasher film. The guy said, you guys need to leave right now. He also plays the harbinger in another horror film, uh, 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 just before dawn. Have you ever seen that movie? I actually have. I just saw that one recently. That one's fun. Yeah, he's riding that white horse, <laughs> which is amazing. But yeah, so like he's the classic harbinger. Okay, yeah, so George Kennedy shows up with a shotgun, literally crazy Ralph in Friday the 13th, part one and two. You kids need to get out of here. There's a death curse. This cabin's haunted. And they're like, you know, fuck you, old man. Go away. And he, he tries to explain. Literally a week ago, my daughter was taken. This thing took her. And they don't seem to care. They just I, This is like Jack the leader. The Jack the leader just tells him to go away, right? Just leave us alone. Hey, like, doesn't even his mind put two and two together? <laughs> like, oh, we're not dealing with the same force here. Although I should point out that uh, that there's a, a an important point of dialogue. As, as much as I'm going to try to circle back to the plot of this movie, which is going to change significantly as the movie goes along, George Kennedy actually does tip off where the movie's going. He says... You know, these woods are bad. I've, I've heard all the stories of the stuff up here. Ghosts and monsters and UFOs. You name it. It's all been reported up here. So we're going to see all those things in the movie later. <laughs> we are. So, hey, so night descends upon our uh, our heroes. Yeah, and this is when, this is when uh, Jack explains to everybody why they're here. Oh, we're not here to ha have fun. We're here to hunt Bigfoot. And they're mad at first, and then they don't care. And then they all just split off. Yeah, they all just split off to go bang each other. Yeah, so, like, the asshole's girlfriend, who he pissed off, goes to take a shower. Uh, the leader and his girlfriend go and have sex. And then Billy Jacoby, I think, is playing with a ham radio <laughs> during, <laughs> during, during the sequence of events. Yeah, what's, what's funny is this is actually important to the story, and I kind of forgot about this. It is. It's 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 what oh dude it's like one of my favorite scenes that you could ever possibly imagine. So they brought up all this, yeah. Jack has brought up all this electrical equipment and like uh, sonar and recording equipment so he can track Bigfoot. And the fact that they have all this electronic data in their cabin, ele electronic material in their cabin, is going to become very important later. That's where the ham radio comes in. 
<laughs> exactly. And so here we go. The asshole guy brought a Bigfoot mask. So he sneaks out to like go outside in the Bigfoot mask to scare his girlfriend who uh, is taking a shower, getting out of the shower and like drying off. Just, hey, it's not gratuitous at all. This is what people do. <laughs> and uh, she sees him, screams, and like they lock him outside and he's stuck outside. The one thing I want to point out during this scene, and I don't, I haven't really seen in or read anyone mention it. Like Billy Jacoby puts the moves on that guy's girlfriend while he's locked outside. Yeah, I've noticed that. Oh, not 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 only does Billy Jacoby put the moves on Cindy, later Jack will put the moves on Cindy. <laughs> so Cindy is apparently very desirable throughout this movie. Okay, again, I, I, I want to be very specific for people who are listening. Yeah, they, the asshole guy Fred goes outside to play a prank. He's got a little gorilla mask. He's gonna put it out. out he's gonna put it on, scare his girlfriend through the window. For some reason, this this, this cabin has windows directly into the shower. Did you notice that? <laughs> <laughs> that fucking Jarvis cabin, man. Hey, well, hey, Jarvis cabin, but hey, who's this uncle that we're all laying it on the line for? I <laughs> uh, can't. I feel like we need to ask some questions. Yeah, Uncle Clem, he's made a spy shack right into the shower. <laughs> I think Uncle Clem's on some list where he, like, when he moves into a town, they have to report to all the neighbors and stuff. <laughs> That's why he's so far out there. <laughs> yeah, there's no school within 15 miles. He's okay out here. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, Fred plays a prank, scares his girlfriend, and then after the prank is successful, Frank or Fred kind of hears another growl outside because he's growling, pretending to be Bigfoot to scare his girlfriend. Now he hears an actual growl, and we don't really see the attack when Bigfoot grabs him, right? No, yeah, classic switcheroo. And, yeah, he gets grabbed, and that's when things get real. And enter, like, probably my favorite scene of the movie is this nighttime siege because um, – as anyone who will watch this movie will figure out, after this sequence, the whole rest of the movie takes place during daytime. <laughs> it's like, I think a lot of that has to do with George Kennedy's schedule. But... <laughs> he couldn't stay up past six, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, but this siege and Bigfoot does siege through and they're shooting at him, uh, but he comes through. It's scary. Dude, one of my favorite things about this movie, you can talk shit about it all you want. I love the monster design in this movie. It's like just a full, full costume, full makeup. Like, it, like, hey, it's not like the greatest thing in the world, but like, hey, they went for it, and so it's just a, a nice little creature I like. He breaks through, and they're all like panicking, shooting, like hiding. This guy goes and grabs the ham radio, <laughs> <laughs> like, and like. Goes back through the door, stares at everyone, holding that ham radio, growling at them, and then just and then just leaves. And it's just like, like when you like the tropes when I was talking about these Bigfoot films. When you're talking about like, yeah, they're gonna steal women, which happened in the first scene. As soon as he steals that ham radio, I'm like, what genre am I in now? Because <laughs> like we we are going somewhere different. Well, you, you have to forget there's three Bigfoot genres. There's the slasher Bigfoot, there's the abducting women for breeding purposes, and there's the stealing of ham radio Bigfoot. So we, 
But yeah, for people who've never seen this movie, Bigfoot attacks Fred. They go outside. They notice the car. His car has been disabled. And then they all go back and barricade themselves in the house. And then Bigfoot comes and attacks them for real through the door, which this is a legitimately pretty good horror scene. I have to say, this is the most competent scene in the movie, like you said. Yeah, it, it, it's very engaging and like it, it works. It really does work. It, it, the only, it only becomes surreal when he takes the radio because you just like that just like makes something in your mind go like, all right, well, I'm not watching reality. <laughs> Even though you just like saw Bigfoot like bust in and like fight people, you're just like, I'm okay with that. But this. Not only does Big, yeah, not only does Bigfoot fight people, he rips the head or twists the neck of poor Billy Jacoby. So we lose our biggest name star and our comic relief literally like eight minutes into the movie. <laughs> he pulls a, it's a, uh, the, the, the lady in the, the start of Psycho. It's the, <laughs> this is our version of Psycho. You lose our big star eight minutes in. Luckily, luckily, George Kennedy has still had two more days on his contract. <laughs> so he's going to show back up. Okay, yeah, this we're literally really through the first third of the movie. This movie has three parts. Yeah, Act 1. Act 1. That was Act 1. Yeah, Act 1's about 12 minutes. Act 2 is about 50 gr grueling slow minutes as they wander the... Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, so Bigfoot has come. He's killed Fred. He's killed Tom. He's walked away with their ham radio and their electronics. And really, that's the end of the Bigfoot subplot. The whole rest of the movie will be people wandering through Los Angeles searching for Bigfoot now. Yeah, through Griffith Park and like yeah, Bigfoot still has a couple more scenes, but then we are transitioning to uh, to the new subplot, and so and that's what it is. I mean, there's really, I mean, no reason to get like really deep in the woods with the plot at this juncture, just because they go into the woods searching for the guy for the Bigfoot that you know broke into their house, and then they encounter George Kennedy, who's also living off the land, uh, <laughs> trying to track down Bigfoot, but. This only leads like uh, okay two things like one I will admit freely why I love this movie like one of the biggest draws is the second act I feel like if you took ten minutes off of the the second act like this probably would be a lot better remembered and <laughs> <laughs> probably like considered at least a crazy classic like it does and it's a hard thing to get through by yourself it's very it's a lot easier when you're with other people mm -hmm. watching this because you're having a lot more fun but when you're sitting there watching it by yourself you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah that uh, there's a phrase they use on mystery science theater called deep hurting or you know painful where see parts different certain parts of movies are just padded out and painful that will literally be the next 30 to 40 minutes of this movie Yes. And I have to say, there's three parts. The first part, the Bigfoot part of this movie, is actually pretty good. It's stupid, but it's good. It's well done. The second part is long. It really needs to be riffed. And I've actually seen, you may not be surprised by this, Matt, I've seen this movie recommended on the Riff Tracks message board for the Mystery Science Theater guys to please riff this movie. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. It would be perfect. Yeah, and then the third part is is weird, but it's still it's kind of fun. But anyway... We're about to go through the second part where it's just Jack, the main guy, his girlfriend, Carrie, and his girlfriend's best friend, Cindy. He's going to lead these two girls through the woods back to safety. They're like, they have no car. They're trapped in the woods. They're going to go try to find safety somehow. And it's really just an excuse for everyone to wander through Topanga Canyon for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie, too, because, um, well, because we, we, we are introduced to two people. 
Are, are we ready to go there? Are we ready to go there or no? Yeah, we were. This is the classic Friday the 13th. We just have to introduce new characters just to kill them. Okay, okay. Hey, okay, so before we get to the two good ones, hey, one of my the hilarious, like, I would call them fodder, <laughs> I guess, mm -hmm. is that photographer that shows up for no... I don't even know who the hell that guy is. And they don't... He, yeah, he doesn't say or do anything. Yeah, to paint our picture for people, at one point in the movie, there's just a hiker. No name, no purpose. He's just there hiking in the woods, apparently looking at a map. I don't know why this, 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 you need a map to wander through Topanga Canyon. He's lost, he's looking at his map. He is only there so he can be killed horribly. There's no purpose to this character. Yeah, which, hey, which, for people like me, I appreciate. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, I like it, but, like, hey, when you're in that second act and you see all the time being wasted, you're just like... <laughs> They could have spent five more minutes with that guy so we could get to know him before, you know, his head got ripped off. Like we could. Yeah, give us a backstory. Maybe he's like an expert in Egyptian hieroglyphs or something. I don't know. I want to know about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I should point out, and I should point out, and I will set you up for this, he is not the side fodder character we will be most interested in. Nope, nope. Yeah, we'll be mo more interested in it. I believe their names are... Betsy and Tara, and I will let you, I'll give you the honor. Explain Betsy and Tara for us. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know who is who in terms of the names, but uh, Bet Juan, Betsy, or Tara is the one and only Michelle Bauer, who, uh, if, I don't know, if, if. <laughs> My audience will not know that name. How, I don't know how well, like, acquainted a lot of people are with the director Fred Olin Ray. Um, but he is known for directing a lot, a lot, a lot of B movies and a lot of Skinamax movies. There, um, I'm a big fan, like stuff like Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, <laughs> Attack of the Sixty Foot Centerfold, like Evil Tunes. Like Michelle Bauer is in this, like all of those. Like he, and she is known for taking off her shirt in every single one like not only his movies but like i don't know a, a film of mine that i love is called reform school girls uh just in terms of the women in prison exploitation genre <laughs> have you ever seen a uh, what's it called? a sorority babes in the slime bowl bolorama oh yeah that was on usa up all night all the time back in the day yeah, yeah, she's in that too, just always taking off her clothes. <laughs> and so here, like, she is with her friend, uh, which is actually George Kennedy's daughter. That's right, contractually obligated to appear in the film, George Kennedy's daughter. And we just open on them, and they're just driving through the canyon, and they're looking for, like, this uh, this secret like marijuana field, this weed garden. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> they get there, and of course it's gone, but they're just like, whatever, let's just lay here and get some sun. And so Michelle Bauer's got to take off her shirt. <laughs> yeah, this is what I love about this movie. We have a subplot featuring one of the biggest B-movie scream queens of all time, Michelle Bauer's. Although, she is not the only scream queen in this movie. i got to point out one of the other actresses in a second. Okay. Yeah, so they're driving around in a Jeep looking for a secret marijuana garden they've heard is out here. They can't find it. And so what does our famous B-movie scream queen do? She's like, well, we're out here in the middle of the woods. Why not just pop our shirts off and sunbathe? <laughs> <laughs> and that, this is Betsy. This is Betsy, not Tara. I should point out, George Kennedy's daughter does not get topless in this movie. She does get topless. No, she doesn't. She's in, well, she's in, a, she's in a bikini. Her head gets ripped off. Oh, <laughs> 
her top is literally off. Yeah, but I should point out the two girls in the Jeep say, let's get topless because we don't like sun tan, or tan lines. So they lay down, and the B-movie lady, Michelle Bowers, rips off her top and is topless pretty much the entire rest of the movie. Yet George Kennedy's daughter does not, despite the fact that the dialogue says, let's take off our tops. <laughs> so for some reason she must have had in her contract, I don't do nudity. Hey, I also like just the little joke they have, too. It's like, oh, you're going to get burnt. She's like, better red than dead. <laughs> better dead than red. I mean, like, like, God, the dialogue is, hey, A+. plus. Yeah, again, these are just fodder characters. They exist for no reason other than one will be killed and one will be jiggling and topless literally the entire rest of the movie. Yeah, so the funniest part about this, I mean, because of this act does drag on forever, so you cut back and forth, but, like, they're not on screen that long. So you have to imagine this is what George Kennedy fought for. She's in the movie for, I would say, less than five minutes, and just has one of the most horrific deaths in the movie. <laughs> it's, like, out of this world. All right, yeah, we're going we're gonna to try to summarize this whole walking through Topanga Canyon section uh, as quickly as we can. So Jack, the, the main character, is leading his girlfriend, the two girls around. They're just going to wander around. Then we have this random hiker walking around, just <laughs> apparently lost. He can't figure out his map. We have the two topless girls laying there sunbathing. And to steal another mystery science theater phrase, they're on a collision course with wackiness. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So they do run into George Kennedy, who's there. And he starts, like, well, and they don't know he's there. So this actually has, like, one of my favorite lines of dialogue ever. Like, when he's just, like, uh, the leader of the group is just shooting at random things in the woods that he can't see. And then his girlfriend turns to him and says, Great, Jack, you just destroyed the life of a pine cone. <laughs> just as a writer, as a guy who sits here all day just trying to, like, be as concise and meaningful with language just hearing something like that come out of someone's mouth it's it's a work of art like i don't even know how to describe it like destroyed the life of a pine cone there's no other way to say that <laughs> okay i have to point out there is actually some acting talent in this movie which shocked me when i looked it up because it feels so amateurish yeah it just feels like this movie was thrown together and like that line you just destroyed a pine cone. Like that. Why is that no, in a movie? You destroyed the life of a pine cone. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I misquoted our friend Carrie. But the actress who says that, she was actually a pretty well-respected actress. But the other actress, the one who plays the friend Cindy, she is actually a working actress who still works today. Her name is Colleen McDermott. And she is a very well-respected character actor these days who's still on TV. And I was shocked when I looked up their bio. I'm like, this lady's like a real actress. She like has, has made a living as an actor for many, many years. She's got an online website and everything. I noticed, by the way, she left Demon Warp off of her resume. <laughs> okay, but, but as the first girl, Jack's girlfriend, Carrie, I got to talk about her. Yeah. Okay, you, did you do the research on her? Again, you watch bonkers-ass movies. You've seen all these women in prison movies and stuff. Have you ever run across this actress, Pamela Gilbert, before? I'm not sure. Like it, it doesn't ring. The name doesn't ring a bell. So. What I'm pointing out is that Michelle Bowers, who's Betsy, the one who's going to be topless the whole rest of the movie, she was known as a big B movie scream queen. But this other girl, Pamela Gilbert, was too, and she's the lead in the movie. She's already had a topless sex scene with her boyfriend in the cabin. She is like the voice of reason, the intelligent one. But we're going to see a lot of her nudity. And I was there's like 
websites out there dedicated her. She was a penthouse pet at one point, I think. She was like a big shot nude model back in the day. And then she dropped out of acting. And this is the thing that's hilarious to me. She's now a very well-respected English professor. <laughs> oh, hey, she's just going after my heart. Yeah, so this this lady, Pamela Gilbert, and again, she never acted under a pseudonym. If you Google her, you can find her whole syllabus at the University of Florida. She's a very well-respected actress, but I suspect she also leaves Demon Warp off of her resume. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Like That may be a prereq prereq to be a professor in Florida. So Yeah, and to be fair, it's possible she used all these B movies and, you know, Playboy stuff to pay her college tuition so she get her masters and stuff. So more power to her. Hey yeah, mad mad respect. Yeah, no, I got no I just think it's amusing that she's so well respected as an academic now, yet she's got demon warp on her resume and she's had quite a career as a B movie actress just along with Michelle Bowers. There's actually two of them in this movie that were known for that. Okay, let's get back to the death. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Yes. Oh, we're out walking in the woods, and the two girls who are laying down sunbathing are about to be attacked by Bigfoot. And this time it's not for mating purposes. This time it's so he can rip her fucking head off. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Her head is off. And, like, that's a, it's another aspect of this movie that I love. Like, when it gets down to it, you don't see a lot of it in the first half of the movie. But they do go all out in the gore between the second and third acts, which I do appreciate a lot. Like, it's done pretty well, I mean, consider considering the budget and all that. Yeah, I think I was reading this movie was designed as a special effects showcase. Now, I forgot his name. The guy who originally wrote it, Buechler, his last name? Yeah, yeah, John Carl Buechler. The, hey, the director of Friday the 13th Four or seven, seven, I mean. Yeah. yeah, so he was a bit, like you said, he was a big shot special effects guy. He was well known. He wrote a movie. This movie was designed to show off his special effects, but then he got pulled off the project. He got yanked. And so, like, the special effects are still pretty good, but you can tell that's why the movie existed in the first place. It was just supposed to be a big gore fest. Yes. Yeah, and if, if we're to take the the plot or the story at face value, because, again, we don't know how much started out and how much was added or taken away, but if we take it at face value, it's obviously just he wanted to show his creatures, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, a bunch of creature effects, a bunch of gore effects, and just... And, honestly, they, they make do, especially as we get towards the end, but it's, hey, it is, like, one of those, like, like oh, what could have been? Yes, they were this close from being Citizen Kane. Yeah, <laughs> my Citizen Kane, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so George Kennedy's daughter, who, again, contractually obligated to be in the movie, has been attacked by Bigfoot. Her head is ripped off. So much for her film career. That's pretty much over. And then Betsy, the other girl who's topless, is now running through the woods. She's going to run into the hikers. All sorts of wackiness is going to ensue, although we have to talk about the death of the fodder hiker guy the camper because this might be the most graphic scene in the movie i can't like his head doesn't get ripped off no he doesn't get okay yeah he we stumbles into bigfoot's cabin again this is the character we've never seen we have no idea who he is he wanders into bigfoot's hunting ground or whatever and bigfoot pushes him down catches his arm in a bear trap and then guts him with a stick he like sticks a stick in his stomach and starts rotating it Yes. Hi, hey, how did I forget that? But yes, <laughs> like this, this guy we've never met just like just deserves the grossest death. So 
<laughs> that's why you need a backstory. Like that could have like five minutes worth could have just turned that into like kind of like a Tales from the Crypt comeuppance or something or just something like other than just fodder. Maybe he killed someone one day by sticking a stick in their stomach and rotating it. And this is his comeuppance. That, isn't that so much more of a rich story? Yeah, maybe he like he's like a Nazi fleeing Germany and he thought he was like an Argentina, but he's <laughs> like just in Griffith Park. <laughs> that was the extended director's cut of Demon War. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a fleeing Nazi war criminal. <laughs> this isn't Buenos Aires. <laughs> it's the Los Angeles section of Buenos Aires. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 hey, that's probably true. <laughs> okay, we're about to cross into the next part of the movie. Again, this movie is in sections. It's been a Bigfoot movie. Now it's people wandering through the woods trying to find help. Now all of a sudden, as they're wandering through the woods, somebody sees a zombie. I swear to God, it's about to become a zombie movie. It's literally a zombie movie. This is a movie where I would say, uh, I, I don't know, it's probably not even worth, uh, You can we can talk about the plot if you want. Like, uh, uh, it's kind of nonsensical at this point. But this is where the, the movie kind of, like, and to where I kind of like it, is where it, it's it, it's basically an Ed Wood movie. It's Plan <laughs> 9 from Outer Space. Like, I mean, you have, like, kind of, like, alien cult, uh, I don't know, imagery and ideas mixed with zombies and whatever you can throw on screen and just like, Hey, I, I really love that shit. <laughs> okay. I, I got to read a quote. I read this on a website dedicated to horror movies and there was a review of demon warp. Hopefully you get this. This is references a very famous Saturday night live sketch. Are you an SNL guy? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. So this, so hopefully somebody will get this reference. Here's the review of uh, demon warp it says, uh, you ever put Chinese food on top of a pizza and then dunk it into a bowl of chili? Well, this film Taco Towns that concept and throws you a crepe, some Gruyere cheese, a layer of special guacamolito sauce, wraps it in a corn husk filled with pico de gallo, and then layers it all with zombies, a Bigfoot who looks more like a gorilla, and then shoots it all in broad daylight and serves it up in a commemorative tote bag filled with spicy chili. More movies should be this wild. <laughs> Yeah, did he mean that in a bad way? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you could take that. But... Okay. It was just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I wish I wrote down which website that came from. I feel bad. But yeah, that's, this This is the taco town of horror movies because now it's a zombie movie. And now I think is the scene where they meet George Kennedy out in the woods. And George Kennedy actually attempts to give us some exposition where he starts explaining what he thinks is going on. The electronics, right? He starts to, oh, I don't know why they're stealing ham radios. Yeah, well, he under he understands it's about electronics, but I don't. He doesn't know why. So, so hey, we're we're about to learn. Yeah, it's it's just for us, the audience. He's saying these bigfoots, they're big feet, whatever. How the fuck you pluralize bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're from Seattle. You should know. Exactly, I should know this. Yeah, this was in our curriculum. <laughs> but yeah, so George Kennedy says, I don't know what's happening. They're, they're killing people, abducting girls. They're they're stealing electronic equipment. I don't know. And here comes the big showdown where I think Bigfoot's going to raid George Kennedy's cabin. And he's going to kill him. We're going to lose our star. Yep. And then uh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could elaborate a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, to sum it up, it's not that exciting. Bigfoot storms into the camp bashes George Kennedy's head against a rock a couple times, knocks out Jack, and then absconds with the three women. He takes Cindy, Carrie, and Betsy, the topless girl. 
And this is the end of Act 2, because now it's really just Jack trying to figure out where the girls went and George Kennedy's dead. Yes, exactly. So this this gets us to uh, the final act in uh, a cave. So we follow the zombies to the cave. Do you know which cave that is? I know it's in Griffith Park. Is it Bronson Cave? That is indeed Bronson Cave. And for people who don't know the area, that is the Bat Cave. They use that as the Batman's hidden secret lair back in the 60s TV show. Anybody who's hiked in L.A. knows Bronson Cave. And this will be the final part of this movie as everything converges in the cave. Yeah, yeah. This is where they're able to cheap out a little bit and uh, get us into some exteriors. And uh, so... I don't know. How far do you want to go? Are we spoiling the entire movie? Or... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to you know, explain the sucker out to the bitter end here. Okay, I'll set up the final act for you. So Jack has been knocked out by Bigfoot. He he gets up the next day. He's like, oh, what happened? I, I, I don't know where, where the girls are. He sees one of the girls, Cindy, who's a zombie now, apparently. She's shambling around. She's, somehow, somehow Bigfoot has the ability to turn people into zombies. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, and her eye is popped out of her head, so, <laughs> and, and a pretty good effect. It is, it's a good effect. Half her face is missing, basically. Yeah. So yeah, he follows her into the cave, and anybody who's been in Bronson Cave knows it's very small. There's nothing in there. You only walk in there like five feet and you're done. No, hey, I've seen Demon Warp and you're wrong. <laughs> I apologize for ruining your, your worldview here. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to the cave. And this is where this movie is going to go batshit fucking insane. Yes, yes. Because nothing that's happened up to this point has anything to do with what's going to happen from now on. Yeah, nothing prepares you for it. Like, not, like, I'm not, I don't even mean in terms of bonkersness. I just mean, like, nothing in the story has led you to believe what you're going to see, like, is going to happen. Nothing set it up. Like, hey, you know, like, basic, like, script writing fundamentals of, like, setup and payoff. Hey, hey, none of that here. Yeah, just a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets into the cave, and so the first thing I think, I believe he finds is his uncle. Yeah, he, he sees a Bigfoot, Jack shoots it, and when the Bigfoot dies, it it morphs into an old man, and it's his Uncle Clem. <laughs> Who's, who still, like, has some sentience, some sentience, I guess. Like, and is able to, to talk to him for a few beats, which is really funny. But I was just thinking, like, the plural of Bigfoot. Like, you know, like, maybe it's like, you know, attorneys general. It's like Big's foot. <laughs> if only we had a famed uh, English professor in this movie that could explain this to us. <laughs> no, what you need is, like, you need to, like, just delete everything we've recorded. Go get, it like, a Bigfoot expert and make them watch this movie. <laughs> They're like, oh, is this the Bigfoot slasher movie or is this the Bigfoot abduction? And I'm like, no, it's the Bigfoot stealing hams ram radios. <laughs> I don't think this movie is scientifically accurate. <laughs> There's a, a great mystery science theater line. You know, there are certain flaws in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so Jack goes into the Bronson cave. He shoots the first Bigfoot he sees. Apparently, there's a lot of big feet, by the way, or whatever, whatever the plural is. Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, Jack, so his, his uncle, so the Bigfoot dies. It becomes his uncle, who, remember, Jack has been searching for his uncle this whole movie, and George Kennedy has been searching for his daughter. We kind of forgot about that because we've just seen boobs running around. Yeah. 
<laughs> God damn those boobs. <laughs> so, so Uncle Clem, the guy who Jack has been searching for this whole movie, says, oh, Jack, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to. They made me. They changed me. And Jack's like, Uncle Clem, why were you Bigfoot? And, and Uncle Clem's like, please build a cabin in the woods with a window view right into the shower. Just be as pervy as possible when you build a cabin, Jack. <laughs> Hey, you ever heard of a fucking peephole? You don't need a window. Like, you don't need to call in a glazing crew to set up your, like, little hot porn hideout. Your little spank shack needs a glazer? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Jack says, oh, well, that's my Uncle Clem. I guess I found him. Doesn't seem to phase him at all. Now he's just going to go search the cave. And when he, he he finds, like, all the electronic equipment that's been stolen from all the area. Hey, there is so much electronic equipment. Like, like I mean, first of all, just set the scene. There are zombies everywhere, and they're, like, they're walking about. They're ignoring our hero as he's walking through there because they're so focused on their electronic equipment. But there is so much. It's like they've, like, I, I mean, this is the days of Radio Shack. It really is. Like, they just, like, took, like, they just raided two Radio Shacks. And dumped it all in Bronson Cave, and they like just have these, and like I, it's, it's radio, so I can't like mime it for you, but like they're sitting there just like holding electronics up to their head as if trying to figure it out, and you're like, what the fuck are these people doing? Yeah, we have okay to summarize this for people. The plot of this movie is thus that. Bigfoot and his Bigfoot clones have been wandering the hills of Los Angeles for a century, we find out, a hundred years, <laughs> abducting women and collecting electronics equipment. And I don't know how they got this much electronic equipment out of, uh, you know, <laughs> out of that area. Like, did fucking NASA have a cabin out there that I was unaware of? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's just funny. Like, just like the the Griffith Park, uh, like Verizon store, I guess. <laughs> so this whole movie, which started as a Bigfoot attacking people movie, is now a bunch of zombies in a cave, building or like collecting electronics equipment because we find out in a minute they're rebuilding a spaceship that we were unaware was part of this movie until right now. <laughs> yeah, and so. We see the spaceship introduced for the first time, and who comes out of it? Billy Jacoby, fully alive, I guess. Yeah, so the two guys that died earlier in the movie, Fred and Tom, and I fucking hate that I know their names, but I do. Fred <laughs> and Tom. I'm glad you do, because I have no idea. Yeah, and you're the guy who wrote the book about this movie. so <laughs> <laughs> I put this movie on the map. <laughs> so, yeah, the people, the guys who died earlier in the movie are still alive, apparently, even though I, we saw Billy J Jacoby get his head snapped. But anyway, yeah, so they're there, and they start giving all the exposition. And I will try to sum this up as succinctly as I can, that Fred... Who the, the prankster, who's still in his monkey mask, by the way, he never took his monkey mask off, <laughs> says, there's this thing, there's this priest, he has Carrie inside, he wants her and this other girl. And Jack's like, why, what are they, what does he want them for? I don't know. And I'm wondering, who told Fred this? How does Fred know all this information about the alien in there? <laughs> they didn't even take his mask off. <laughs> they gave Billy a new head. <laughs> Yeah, so Billy comes or no, and so Tom comes out, and this is where he starts explaining stuff. Hey, Jack, glad you make it. He goes, you know, I was dead, and now I'm not, and now you're here. And he goes into this 
inexplicable Jack Nicholson impression that doesn't need to be there where he says, you know what? I might be dead, but I feel beautiful, man. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if that was happening to me in real life, I'd be like, whatever you say, dude, I'm going with you. My fight's over. And it's funny. I read one review of this movie that said at some point in the cave, they find George Kennedy's daughter, Julie, the one who was abducted at the start of the movie. Yeah. I don't recall them finding her. Does she ever show up ever again in this movie? I I don't think so. I don't remember that. I mean, but again, there could be different cuts of this movie that we haven't seen. You you watch the YouTube one. I have a VHS bootleg. There's no telling what a real version of this movie <laughs> is. <laughs> I, I, I think I tried tracking down the rights for photos, like, when I was writing the book. And I think this they – like so this was Vidmark – which was early Trimark, and then Trimark got bought out by Lionsgate. And I think Lionsgate just buried this fucker down, like, in the vault, and they don't want anyone to know about it. (laughs) Okay, that does lead to a question. Did this movie ever come out in theaters? I don't think so. I think it was straight to video, yep. And I've read, if you watch, if you look at the comments in a lot of uh, YouTube, the videos and stuff and the reviews, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, we rented this from the video store all the time. This was like a video store staple back in the day. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, this this is looks like just I, I wouldn't know because I was three years old in 1988. But uh, um, a lot like especially during the early 80s, but all the way up until the late 80s. Like, this is, like, they just made movies like this just to be released in the video stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, that that was the market, was, like, going around and selling the shit to video stores. Yeah, and I, I imagine you're about my age, I'm in my 40s, that this is hard to explain to people who are younger than us, the video store culture back in the day. Yep, exactly. It's kind of hard to, like, like it's honestly hard to describe the, like, the slasher cycle of the early 80s without um introducing the the economy of the video store mm-hmm. i mean because that's like i mean obviously everyone asks hey man what's the the first slasher ever made and like i know whoever hey who the hell knows but like but uh i always just say if like halloween was the grenade then uh like friday the 13th is what pulled the pin and because of that because paramount bought friday the 13th for like such pennies basically and then it just became a huge hit. Like every fucking weirdo uncle with the camera and like $50,000 from their dentist, like made a slasher film and they didn't like, they didn't even bother with theatrical stuff. They're just like, Hey, let's just put this on video and sell it to this burgeoning like video store market. Mm-hmm. And that's like how a lot of that economy w- w- was created and sustained. It was like going out of fashion around around this time 88 but it was still there and this i think this is like a perfect cap to that era yeah and it's funny that the, the the video era gets remembered now for like blockbuster video and hollywood video but like you would know this as well as i would the video industry was around for quite a while before blockbuster kind of homogenized everything and made it more family friendly like i went into so many independent video stores back in the 80s and you'd always try to creep into the more adult section where your parents oh would... yeah your parents didn't want you over there? Behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. Not even buy behind the curtain. The horror movie, like, I was never going to get behind the curtain. People don't know. There was literally X-rated movies. Yeah, I'm not going to make it back there as a kid. But I can definitely make it to the horror section. 
And horror movies like Demon Warp are like one step away from porn because of all the bare tits you're going to see in the movie. So like a movie like Demon Warp, this would have been a huge staple for kids just renting videos all the time long before the blockbuster era. Hey, yeah. Hey, did you read my section about Demon Warp in the book? Hey, because I was talking about like this is like would have been the perfect movie for me when I was 12 years old. Yes. Like like aliens, zombies, Bigfoot, like alien cults and boobs. Like, hey, I would say, what more do you need? I'd probably ask for a little editing, but like, what more do you need? Yeah, and movies like this would have been very profitable because all they needed was people renting them and people rented movies all the time. You know, parents would use movies as babysitters for their kids. Here, watch this movie so we can go out yeah. tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it might just be like, oh, this movie has the guy from Naked Gun. I bet it's very wholesome. <laughs> yes. Academy Award winner, George Kennedy. <laughs> hey, this is the sequel to Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> yeah. So if you somehow conned your parents into renting you Demon Warp as a kid, and they left, and you're a 12-year-old boy, and you're watching all the boobs in this movie, my God, it's like Valhalla. Yeah. Oh, man. It's amazing. Like, yeah, like, it. It's like one of my biggest regrets in life is no one showed this to me when I was 12. But like, and I think I write in the book too, like I still don't have any real evidence that someone made this that wasn't 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me evidence because I know like all we have is my bootleg and what's on YouTube and a couple of internet entries. Like, can you prove to me this wasn't made by a 12 year old? Oh yeah. And it's funny. Like there's all, there's no Wikipedia entry for this movie. There's like hardly any reviews. I couldn't find one interview with anybody who had anything to do with it. The two actresses leave it off their resume. Like, <laughs> does this movie actually exist? Was this homemade? It's, it's okay. I, I, I don't want to cut this too short, but we're at the end of the movie here. And we're not even to the most bizarre part of this movie yet. Yeah. So, yeah, if we want to get into it. So he eventually dispatches of Billy Jacoby. Our hero goes into the alien ship. And then we are host to a bizarrely long and drawn out um, sort of a satanic cult ritual done <laughs> by, I assume, which is what the that priest in the beginning, his zombie, is doing to appease this demon goblin looking guy. Let me paint this picture for people who have never seen this movie, which, again, I am assuming is all of you. <laughs> so there's a sacrificial table in the middle of a room inside a spaceship there's a, a an alien off to the right who is dripping with snot apparently and he's got like a scorpion's tail or something yeah he, he kind of reminds me of the baby from that dinosaur show <laughs> the baby in the high chair but just like a little bit more ghoulish looking <laughs> so that's our alien that's the bad guy in the movie then there's a priest who i think is the priest from the start of the movie who was somehow turned into a zombie he he has a set up a little sacrificial table where he has the girls, all the girls that have been abducted in the movie. I think at this point we just have Betsy and Carrie one by one. They'll be placed on a table topless, of course, because we have to have much more boobage coming on the last 10 minutes of this movie. And then he will stab them. He will rip their hearts out. He will pray to the God Asdrath. Yeah. Asdrath is Lord. Asdrath is Lord. Yeah, and then when he kills the girls, he will reach between their bare tits, pull out their heart, feed it to the snot zombie alien, and that somehow satiates him. Yeah, and they're like, and we're also building your ship. <laughs> 
So somehow this is the fourth iteration of Bigfoot movies, the one with the alien. <laughs> Carl Carl Marx hadn't been introduced to the zombies yet at this point. They're still uh, they're still working for that guy. Yeah, I, the end of this movie is insane. Okay, so Jack gets beaten up by the zombies. They somehow attack him, and you think they kill him, but they don't. They just like inconvenience him for a while, which I, yeah, I love. Like we're just gonna make you late for something. Yeah, exactly. No, and like this. This is like I love this. Like one of my favorite genres. Like is like just a like a cult and like satanic exploitation. Um, like actually, uh, my buddy and I we do this thing called uh, Friday Night Satanic Drive-In. Oh, good. <laughs> and at his house in his backyard, and we set up like a twelve by eight screen with a projector outside, and we just like watch a bunch of exploitation films, usually with a satanic bent. And I, I'm pretty sure we've watched Demon Warp like three times out there. Have you guys ever had the cops call on you for doing this? No. Oh, not, not cops, but the neighbors get a little testy. Yeah. Please no more Satanic Fridays. <laughs> uh, like, can you at least like not do this at like 3 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's go into the last part of this movie, which I said the first part is actually pretty good. The second part is just dull mystery science theater padding. The third part is fucking insane. So it's just ritual. Okay, ritualistic killing. This priest, who admittedly we have never seen at any point in this movie, is going to now explain the whole subplot where he's about to stab Betsy with his knife, and he says, he gives a chant. He says, uh, Asdrath is Lord, Asdrath is Lord. My master dwells within the sacred chamber, his vessel very deep in the bowels of the earth. He eats of the flesh of the land, waiting patiently gathering his strength for a return journey to the stars. Basically, here's the plot of this movie. An alien has crashed in a spaceship. He's been there for a hundred years trying to repair his spaceship. He only does this by sending Bigfoot out into the woods to, re to grab electrical parts from cabins to rebuild his spaceship. In the meantime, he's turning people into zombies and turning people into Bigfoot and sacrificing topless girls. <laughs> did, I, did I miss anything there? You didn't. No. Like this, uh, that, Dude, hey, do you know how to do a Wikipedia page? <laughs> yes, and it's based on the Maya Angelou novel. <laughs> this movie, it's again, it's not in the third part of the movie. It's not the same movie it was in the first part or the second part. It's so weird, and it's so gratuitous, just topless, and people being stabbed, and like blood effects. Like, what the hell happened to this movie at some point along the way? Yeah, I don't know. It's three different movies, and like, so we promised that I would get to the part about why I think this is a good movie. Mm, yes, go for it. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have much. I, not like I'm in a courtroom here and I'm trying to convince a jury, <laughs> but like one of my, one of like my biggest things, like like I said I, in the beginning, like I don't do ironic viewing, and one of the things that uh, why I take the time and attention to focus on films like this and just films of this ilk is um, that obviously because they've been so denigrated. So I, and they're just not approached uh, in a way that suits them. So like it, tradition, the mode of traditional criticism, like there's no way to like be a, a traditional film critic and tackle a movie like this. Like, what are you going to be like? Like, well, Oh, the second act drags, and uh, you know, like the the the, the like what like what are you gonna say? What 
like there's nothing you really gonna say other than it's bad. And you're gonna tell people not to watch it. So the way I've always approached things is like within the context of the genre itself, uh, the time period, and um, and within the uh, the scope of the filmmakers like filmographies. And so when you start like tackling films like this into a like more narrowly and more contained, I mean. Uh, their their features are a little bit more exaggerated, a little bit more palatable. And what I appreciate about Demon Warp, uh, which is drives a lot of my passion for a lot of these low-budget ventures, is um, it punches way above its weight class. <laughs> like, it does. Like, it's a huge... You got three huge movies in this small movie. Like, you can say it's crap, but you got three movies. You... Hey... We're in the we're nineteen eighty eight. You're at the video store. You pay fifty cents, seventy five cents to take this home for a night or two, and hey, you have to watch it in those days. It's not like Netflix now where you get like bored and you're like you're gonna turn it off. Then hey, you bring something home, you're gonna fucking watch it because you paid for it and you're stuck with it. And you are stuck with three different films. You got your cabin in the woods slasher films. You got your. Uh, boring deliverance film you got uh and then like this crazy ass ending with aliens and a satanic cult subplot like like you got three different films so it's like it's invigorating to like just see people with no resources just aim for the fences and like i just like for example like Unfortunately, Salman Rushdie is in the news <laughs> right now. And, like, there's a guy we talk about in terms of women has always punched above his weight class. You know, <laughs> this, like, this guy, uh, he lo basically looks like my dad in a goblin mask. And he was married to Padma Lakshmi. <laughs> like, Demon Warp is the Salman Rushdie <laughs> of Bigfoot films. Wait, you just compared Demon Warp to Salman Rushdie. That's that's got to be the greatest moment in Staff Picks history. Yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yep, it's there. It's a first. Yeah, and the movie has George Kennedy, Oscar-winning George Kennedy. <laughs> hey, and uh, and uh, Portrait of Mohammed. <laughs> yes, and I should point out, I think I saw at least 16 different boobs in this movie. Really? Okay, we're doing a boob count like Joe Bob. I don't want to, well, admittedly, a lot of them are the same ones repeatedly, but there are... Hey, that counts. Okay. That counts. <laughs> and one of them, yeah, and, and some of the most prominent boobs are by acclaimed English professor at the University of Florida, who, I'm not going to say her name, I feel bad if she ever hears this, but, like, man, I cannot believe she has this on her resume. Okay. <laughs> so the end of the movie is, Jack goes in there and he punches out the priest, and the, he stabs him, it's a really nasty little death scene, he stabs him in the back. And he says some catchphrase, but because of the quality of YouTube, I cannot understand what his catchphrase is. Oh, man. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> remember back in the day in 88 when everyone was saying, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Jack kills the priest, kills the alien, shoots the alien, and then escapes with his girlfriend, Carrie, and they run outside and he has her put some clothes on so she's not topless for once. And then the whole cave blows up with dynamite, and he saves the day. Yeah. Hey, so that is the one setup and payoff that they do do because, like, George Kennedy had dynamite. And so that's I think that's where the dynamite gets introduced. So, hey, brilliant. Like, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, hey, the catchphrase is probably something like, you know, like, hasta la vista, adraf. <laughs> 
it probably was. I just wish I had a cleaner copy where I could understand his his badass catchphrase. I I love this movie so much though, and I dead serious when I say, man, if I would start a Blu-ray label just to release this movie, like I whatever I have in my savings, like I'll put it into this. Like I'll get divorced, like whatever. You're going all in. All the chips are in on Demon Warp. Yep. Yep. I think this is how Nicolas Cage lost his fiance in Honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> So anyway, there's one great moment at the end of the movie. Actually, three. I got to talk about. So Jack and Carrie are running out of the cave at the end, and they see Carrie's best friend, Cindy, who is now a zombie. And Jack says, we got to go. We got to get out of here. And Carrie says, we can't leave Cindy. She's my friend. And Jack says, she's a zombie. We got to leave her. She's worthless to us. And Carrie's like, no, no, please take her. So what does Jack do? He fucking shoots Cindy in the head. He kills the zombie. And Carrie's like, oh, okay, I'm fine with that now. You killed her, so it's okay. <laughs> it's like Car- Carrie doesn't seem to mind that her best friend was just winged with a bullet two feet in front of her. <laughs> hey, you harden when you've been through a lot. Okay, and now let's talk about the endings, endings of this movie. Because I have to point out, this movie has the gall to think it deserves two twist endings. Oh, dude, yes, I forgot. Hey, dude, I forgot. So, yes, let's go for it. This movie, again, has the gall to think it has earned the mysterious twist ending. Okay, the first one is basically, I'm going to call this the uh, phantasm ending, where they wake up in bed together. Yeah, go for it. Explain this one. Oh, like, so, so I, how are we breaking this up? So is it when he just wakes up the first time? Yeah, he wakes up the first time after the cave is blown up, and he's with his girlfriend, Carrie. Yep, and it's all just a dream, right? Well, yeah, they're just laying there, and they're like, oh, I can't believe all that happened, and it was so scary, and all my friends, I, I, I keep thinking of, uh, what is it, Fred and Tom and Cindy. I notice he left out his Uncle Clem. I guess he doesn't remember his Uncle Clem. <laughs> yeah, you also haven't set up, like, the way this bedroom looks. So it's basically, if anyone's ever seen Lucio Fulci's, uh, was it Woman, like, Woman in a Lizard Skin? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, there's a very surreal scene in the very beginning where it's just a bed and a woman, you know, kind of masturbating on it in the dark like that. It's like almost a scene for scene rip uh, of like the set of what you're going to see. So it's just a bed. It looks like a regular bed and everything is just dark. So completely normal, completely normal setting here. So it's like, it's almost like it was, was not filmed at all completely as an afterthought. (laughs) Yeah, to, to me, it feels like the ending of Phantasm. It's set up yeah. exactly. But yeah, like you said, the other movie as well. But yeah, they're just, it's like they wake up, they're talking about it. And they're like, well, tomorrow, you know, we'll get back to normal. We'll go to my sister's. We'll have a picnic. And as they're saying this, their bed is attacked by zombies and the alien who are all back to life. <laughs> so that's one fake ending, the twist ending. And then after that, Jack wakes up gasping again. And now the second ending is where Cindy or or Carrie, his girlfriend, is a zombie herself. Yeah, so it's the same ending done twice. (laughs) We're going to fool you by doing the same thing twice. You'll never see it coming. (laughs) It fooled me. Hey, it scared me, like, just you talking about it just now. And I've seen the movie ten times. (laughs) So he wakes up and now Carrie's a zombie. And Carrie drags her hands across his chest like she's going to eat him. And that's the second fake ending. And now we get the third fake ending where he just wakes up and gasps as if it was all a dream. <laughs> Wait, is that for real? I don't even know if that's in the version I have. That's on the YouTube version. 
Oh, wow. Because, uh, I mean, I've seen that, but uh, I just haven't seen that one in a version in a while. Like, I don't know if that version's in the bootleg I have or not. Uh, but I'll have to go back and double check. But that, that's crazy. Yeah, and then the movie, again, has the gall to think it can pull off two or three fake twist endings and then just go right to credits. And like, fuck you, movie. Come on, you can't do that. <laughs> just the idea that anyone had the goal to make another movie after this movie came out is is crazy to me. You mean this basically topped cinema? You could not have any cinema higher than this, so all cinema should have ended with Demon Warp. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's this is we're this is postmodern, post structuralist, demon warp destroyed all of reality. Like we're we're here now. Like, think about it. Like, a cinema, have they released one good movie since 1988? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I know. Tom Hanks' whole career, it was just a dream. It never happened. Demon Warp, we're all kind of stopped with Demon Warp. And I know Titanic never happened. So, yeah. So, and I should point out once again, Demon Warp features no demons, no warping, and no demon warping. Yeah. The only thing we, the only thing I would argue that we lose because cinema continued <laughs> was uh terminator 2 that's the only thing we lost if we uh if we quit so if we just end the we, we just end the timeline of the world in general in 1988 not even just cinema i mean oh man then you got no you got no 9-11 you got no covid it's actually a better time hey the berlin wall doesn't come down okay that's true yeah it's worth... <laughs> communism lives forever <laughs> so you have to choose between freedom or demon warp matt oh Dude, you're gonna make me choose between socialism and demon warp. It's like Sophie's choice, I know. I know, man. I don't know, dude. Hey, demon warp to tie it all back to the beginning of cinema. It's my rosebud. Like <laughs> uh, it's my Citizen Kane. <laughs> because what you know, Citizen Kane needed was Billy Jacoby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting silly here again. This is a fun movie. I recommend this to people. You're making the argument it's, 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 a, it's a good movie. I don't know if I'd call it good, but I really enjoyed watching it, and it's one that I enjoy talking about. And really, at the end of the day, is there anything more noble and aspiration for a movie than people have fun with it and enjoy talking about it? I mean, that's a good argument, I would say. That's that's my entire argument. Like To me, like I said, cut out 10 minutes in the middle – I would say this movie is engaging from beginning to end. Whether you think it's the biggest piece of shit on earth or not is kind of irrelevant. But if you're the type of person that would put this movie on to begin with, <laughs> you know, like say like not my mom or somebody like that, like you're you're going to have fun. Like you're going to have like that moment where you're like, what the fuck am I watching? And that's a special moment and it should happen more. <laughs> yeah, although I should point out it's not the type of movie you're going to show your grandma or anything. No, no, but it is the type of movie that, like, like because of my grandma's, like, lax, like, oversight that you could just watch at her house. <laughs> well, you know we have YouTube now. You could watch it anytime you want. You don't need grandma's permission. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I really had fun with this episode. This is a fun movie. I'm really glad you uh, introduced this to me. And I got to say, this is the most bizarre movie I have featured on Staff Fix now. So congratulations. Great, man. Hey, I feel that, that I feel great. Like that's uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to come back if you ever want to talk about more insane stuff. Yeah, I, I've read Matt's book. There are a lot of movies in there. 
even I would hesitate to say, I'm not entirely sure I want to discuss that one on staff picks. When you get into some of the, the prison movies, the women in prison movies and the black exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It takes a, a special kind of character to get through some of that stuff, but, <laughs> but no, I appreciate it more than anything. You having me on, letting me talk about the book, letting me talk about demon warp. It's one of my favorite topics, one of my favorite movies. And uh, I had a blast. Excellent. Yeah, again, uh, I know Matt hasn't done too many podcasts, so I, hopefully this wasn't too painful for you. I, I have a very uh, unique structure and style on staff picks, so hopefully I wasn't too annoying to work with. But why don't you tell people where they can find your book, where they can see more of you? Because, again, I've read Matt's book. I got a copy of it. It's really fun. There's a lot of interesting movies in there that I'm going to start tracking down. But, again, Demon Warp is the one that you recommended very highly to me, and I'm glad you did. But, again, tell people where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at bonkers ass sin, um, C I N. And, uh, you can find my book, um, probably easiest on Amazon, um, or through the publisher, uh, bear manor media, or uh, hey, if you want to be a real hero and gentleman or lady, you can go to your local bookstore and ask them to order it for you. That's great too. But, uh, that's, that's where I'm at. Okay, and just before we sign off, I was thinking of the most bizarre movie I've done on Staff Picks prior to Demon Warp. And the two that I came up with is one is called Who Can Kill a Child, which I know you've never seen, right? Never seen. Never heard of. Yeah, that one's fun. It's a Mexican or a Spanish horror movie set on an island. But that is not the most bizarre movie I've done prior to this. The most bizarre was one called Fortress. Do you know Fortress? Yeah, I know Fortress. Yeah. Yeah. Do you give that one the uh, the uh, bonkers ass cinema thumbs up seal of approval? Uh, yeah, actually I would. I never really thought about it because I, I what's funny is like I it's probably one of those movies I consider too mainstream to be in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. For people who don't know, go listen to my Fortress episode. Watch Fortress. Watch Demon Warp. Yeah, and hopefully you can get it in your next book because that that was prior to this the most bizarre movie I've done on Staff Picks. Oh man, hey. We'll, we'll have to stay in touch because I'll, I'll pitch a good one for you. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. And everybody, thank you for listening. Once again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. And until next time, I'll be out there searching for more bizarre, bonkers-ass movies that deserve more love, and I'll try to find somebody interesting to come on and talk about them. I'll talk to you guys later. Stay away from the snot alien. Bye.